0: Hello love, welcome. Thank you so much for dropping into time in the studio today where we share behind the scenes stories of creatives and plant people and recount tales of change, connection, and plant seeds of possibility. I'm your host Sarah Marie Miller and my life is being transformed by plants, art, and these chats and I hope these conversations can help you along your journey as well. And holy smokes, so thrilled to be sharing the conversation I had with Alicia Puig. She is the CEO and co-founder of PXP Contemporary, super cool gallery I'm going to tell you more about shortly, director of business operations for Create Magazine, which is so beautiful and awesome, and an arts writer and an author. She is just coming out with a really awesome book to help artists work on their creative and business practice and the emotional aspects of being an artist too. So it looks like a really amazing book. And she is the sometimes host of Art and Cocktails podcast as well. And I'm super thankful for all the great advice she shared about how to be an artist in this day and age, lots of practical advice for making and sharing your best work, how to sell your work or work with a gallery, and help them sell your work, making how to make nourishing connections to others and collaborate with others, and why it's so helpful um, to do that sometimes. And talks about what it's like and tips for starting a gallery if that's on your bucket list. So much great advice in this uh, on this podcast. She talks about how to up your Instagram game and some great exhibition and publication opportunities we discussed too. So you might want to grab a pen and paper. I feel like there's just so much applicable information in this episode that you can really put to use. Be sure to check out PXP Contemporary Gallery, Gallery, Create Magazine, and Art and Cocktails podcast, and I will have links for all of those things in the show notes as well. Uh, A little bit more about PXP, it is a contemporary online platform that connects collectors with high quality and affordable artworks. They believe in transparent pricing, building meaningful relationships with clients, providing exceptional customer service, and above all, supporting super cool, talented artists and CEO and co-founder Alicia Puig and co-founder Ekaterina Popova have a combined 15 years of experience working in the arts. They launched PXP to challenge the traditional gallery model and make the process of buying art more accessible and a more digital friendly experience. Art lovers, whether you're looking to add to an already established collection or acquiring your first piece, you can browse their curated selection of art with fixed prices up to 2,500 by contemporary artists from around the globe. So yeah, definitely worth checking out. I feel like people are spending more time at home and noticing the value of making your home feel beautiful and be inspired by art. So I think having really beautiful artwork in your home makes a big difference and we're spending more time at home. So make your own home a gallery. Um, And... I have a little way you can do that. I'm hosting a giveaway. I've never done this before, but it seems like what all the cool kids are doing. So I'm gonna offer a piece of my pottery to a special someone. It's a cup I made this year in 2020, and it's perfect for the little sip of water or wine or tea or whatever you would like to drink. There are just three simple rules. Guidelines. So just go to Instagram, and if you're not already following Time in the Studio podcast, go ahead and do that. Tag three friends on a post, and then go to timeinthestudio.com or adazia.com. They go to the same place, and you can sign up for my newsletter. And if you want a bonus entry, you can find your favorite episode and share it to your Instagram stories. Just be sure to tag me so I can shout you out and I can see it. Um, yeah, I'm so excited. Thank you again for being here. I'm really excited to share this conversation.
1: Let's just dive in. Cha-cha-cha. Before chatting with you, I was doing a catch-up call with a friend of mine from grad school who she also started a similar kind of affordable online gallery model and so it was fun to catch up and kind of chat about what's been going on especially recently and just like PXP, she's also been doing really well herself so it's good to see these new models really thriving right now because we were always, you know, more digital focused, because we're aware that not everyone can afford, you know, a $10,000 painting, especially right now. So it was just cool to like kind of feel validated that people like me that are doing something different and really trying to make, you know, kind of disrupt the gallery model that we're all used to are really thriving right now. So it was fun to hear that. (laughs) That's so
0: awesome and so inspiring. And I feel like There's such a need for something in that realm of where artists are building their portfolios and building their careers. And you're able to kind of represent people that are more up and coming and evolving their practice and then also able to Meet people who don't have $10,000 for a painting but want to have like original artwork in their homes. So,
1: yeah, and that's exactly why the gallery even was started. I mean, I don't know Mm -hmm. if we're like going to get into this later, but yeah, (laughs) when I started working in galleries, I mean, I was working in the art world for 10 years, and then I eventually, well, other people eventually started asking me, when are you going to start your own? Like, that became a question that I got a lot, and for a long time, I resisted because. I was working for these people and they i just didn't see myself as like them at all it was just all work Mm -hmm. work work no work-life balance and so much about money and worrying and working all the time and and then on the flip side of that again it was these high price points it was artists that were already at a certain level in their career and i was like Mm -hmm. how does this appeal to a large mass of the art world that is young artists and emerging artists and also young collectors that they don't feel, they feel like they're they're not able to even be part of this because it's just not accessible in any way. So there has to be kind of a mid-step, or a mid-platform where these young artists have a chance to show, have a chance to sell before they're selling at a price point where a big gallery would even look at them, would even right. care to look at their work. And then also on the flip side for the collectors, again, it's these people that want something a little bit, higher quality than an ikea poster they want to they want to maybe start investing in original art and quality work but they're not ready to spend you know that five thousand ten thousand yet so it's you know a more accessible price point for them and again still bringing them great quality work that is worth investing in so yeah oh. that's absolutely why we started in the first place and we also had that community with CREATE already so it just kind of naturally evolved that they not only wanted a place where they could show Mm -hmm. their art and be interviewed and get media recognition but also to sell because obviously they want to make money and we get that we we wanted to have a space for them to do that as well so it was really kind of a natural progression although if looking back both Kat and I can talk about our careers and we feel like we went from A to C to X to B Uh. to get to where we are but it, right. but in a way looking back you also do kind of see that eventually we ended up here for a reason
0: yes absolutely it's so funny how that happens like <laughs> life I feel like kind of the wind blows me in different directions and I'm always like what everything feels so discordant and different but then really you can see the threads and how they're connected and it's so beautiful and you can start piecing that together so that must be a good feeling to be able to kind of move forward in that way and realize what you're doing is just so important and there is a vision and there is like a clarity to your path so that's super exciting
1: <laughs> yeah Thanks. it's taking some time to get there but I think the other part of that was having worked in those galleries and having that that decade of experience, I also was able to learn how it works, Uh learn learn the behind the scenes. And I not only worked in galleries, but also in museums, in an auction house, in fairs, like in every other aspect of the art world. So I started to learn what drives the market and like all those brass tacks things that now helps me to, again, kind of disrupt what other things are doing and other business models are doing and do something different while still being in line and, and in a way that I can still like relate to the artists and relate to the collectors and sell because ultimately yeah. it doesn't work if, if I make this great platform but not, I'm not able to actually move any of the work that doesn't help the artist or me either so I still do need to be able to know some things about the art business or the business of art rather and yeah luckily that <laughs> all that experience helped and also it connected with me with artists it taught me how to kind of train my eye to find talent and to be mm-hmm. able to also work with press, like all, all of these things that came together. So again, yeah, it's like you said, finding all these connecting threads, even if you feel like you went all over the place, <laughs> eventually all these things come together. And I think I can pinpoint at least one thing from every job that I'm now using. So I at the same time as everyone was asking me, when are you going to start your gallery? Well, it made sense finally last year because I finally had all these resources. I finally had all these skills. I finally had (sighs) this access to artists and this platform. So everything fell into place. And that's (sighs) why I was finally ready to say, yes, let's do it.
0: Oh my gosh. It makes my eyes well up a little (laughs) bit for some reason. Like it's just, I don't know. There's something so powerful about hearing your story and moving forward and like every single word that you're saying is just like yes like I want to know more (laughs) about everything you're saying maybe we should just like dive in and do an intro because I feel like already you're presenting so many threads and things that I feel like would be really important for people to hear your story is that does that sound good for you Oh my gosh, so I am beyond excited to have on the podcast today Alicia Puig. She is the CEO and co-founder of PXP Contemporary Gallery, director of business operations for Create Magazine, an arts writer and an author. She's worked in the arts industry for over 10 years both in the US and abroad and her writing has been featured in publications and on blogs including Create Magazine, Picture Magazine, Art, she says Empty Easel, Pinterest Printeresting.org, and Motivos Magazine, among many others. Additionally, she has curated and co-curated exhibitions at Cutstown University, Hastings College, and the Tyler School of Art at Temple University. She specializes in content creation, online sales, and digital marketing for the arts, and enjoys connecting with artists to learn about their work and help them find opportunities to advance their careers. Oh my god, Alicia, thank you so much for being here today. It's truly a treat to be able to chat with you and hear more about your story.
1: Thank you so much for having me, Sarah.
0: My pleasure. Absolutely. I'd love to know a little bit more about your experience. How did you get involved in art to begin with? Where did all this passion and this drive and this vision all come from?
1: Absolutely. So it goes way back, as with many creatives. I was that definitely artsy kid. And luckily, even though both of my parents came from a science background, they both earned PhDs, one in chemistry, one in virology. So I was definitely an oddball in that sense. But luckily, they both understood that it was my passion and they encouraged it. So I have to be so, so grateful, especially to my mother. A huge shout out to her. She is the kind of person who when she didn't know anything about art and about the art world she ended up applying to be on the board of a local arts organization and she stayed on the board for about seven years so she (sighs) dove into (laughs) philanthropy in the arts so that she could try and figure out what the heck her daughter was was getting into and (laughs) and she would always take me to museums and buy me art supplies and let me go to art camp when i wanted to so again a huge shout out to her and, and it's just amazing that i had that support from the beginning so from that uh, i did eventually decide originally to go to college for graphic design mm-hmm. i think like a lot of like a lot of creatives <laughs> it was going to be the safer path of still being able to use my creative sensibilities but Get, being able to have a, a more stable, safe path of getting getting paid and making money, uh, that only lasted for about a year, and I finally mm-hmm. realized, no, this isn't quite me. I know it is for a lot of people, and I respect that, and I love that we use a lot of designers, and I absolutely, absolutely, you know, love their work and respect what they do. But it was not my not my cup of tea. So, from that, I transferred to Kutztown, and. Mm-hmm. I ended up getting my BFA well double BFA in painting and printmaking fell in love with (gasps) both of those mediums and really a a turning point though was kind of around that time two things happened and the first was that I was always kind of a weird kid in that I would read the classified section of the paper okay so this is maybe showing my oh I love that but um I yeah I used to read the classifieds because I had this obsession with figuring out, okay, if I'm going to get a job in the future, I should start looking at what job listings are looking for. So that was my interest in doing that. I wanted to see not just what jobs were out there, but what, what kind of skills and what kind of background did you need to have? And so from that, I eventually landed on a gallery in my area that was looking for an assistant at the time. I mean, I was like 20, maybe 19. I was not ready to take on a full-time job, but I thought hey, if they're looking for an assistant, they need help. Maybe I can reach out and see if they want an, an intern. And yeah. I did. And they said that they'd never had an intern before, but they were so curious by this girl who reached out. <laughs> <laughs> that me in. And I'd never even been to the gallery before either. I don't, again, I don't know uh-huh. where this tribe came from to do this crazy thing. But I ended up meeting with the, the CEO and president of the gallery. She's incredible. Mm-hmm. The gallery is run by two women, and this oh, is cool a gallery in Delaware. You would never ever find it unless you knew where it was. Mm-hmm. But beautifully done. It's like right along a river, and they show American masters and European masters. So it's like the Wyatt family, and you'll see like Mary Cassatt and oh. a lot of like big names. <laughs> like I through, Like amazing. All these these paintings hanging on the walls, like. What did I just walk into? (laughs) So that was such a formative experience. I ended up interning with them for three years, three summers. And that was just, it opened my eyes to a whole new world. Working in galleries, learning what they did behind the scenes, learning how to photograph artwork catalog, hang work. I was able to even drive some pieces around. Again, I don't know how they were 19, 20 or (laughs) old. drive around six-figure paintings in oh her my, that's, that's a story
0: amazing story. though
1: it, it's great because when you're at a small company you do everything so i learned yeah. everything and two they just put so much trust in me <laughs> thankfully um yeah. the other great part of it was that even though i did it as an internship because i put so much into it and i loved it I think they saw that passion and it ended up being lucrative for me. They turned it into a paid internship. So I ended up being like my first when I was at home. And then at school, it's another crazy thing. I was one of the only people that would read those posters. You know, when you would go around campus and see like 20 posters on the wall, no one would ever read those. But I right. looked I at I looked those again. I was those crazy person to read everything. And one of the posters I saw was, that the student union building on campus was looking for the gallery director for their small gallery that they had on campus. I was like, of course I want to do that. Oh, and I applied and I got it. I got the job probably because there wasn't any competition <laughs> <laughs>
0: Again. But also, like having that previous experience sounds incredible and so aligned too.
1: So I ended up working at the gallery for two years, running that gallery and. That, again, turned me on to so many other great things. Mostly what was exciting to me was I was helping my peers put on what was often their first solo show. It was a small Uh space, but it was a nice enough space that you could put maybe like 10 works or so. So my colleagues would apply to have a show with me. And I would help them hang the show. We would have opening receptions. opening receptions. Oh, we would wow. market the show. Like we really, would really do a mini version of what happens oh. in real life at a you know real gallery outside of the campus setting. And so that again kind of taught me a lot about what running a gallery would be like on a small scale. And I was also volunteering with another gallery off campus and that's where I ended up meeting Kat. And so <laughs> So our paths crossed that way because she was the off-campus gallery director while I was the on-campus gallery director. And so then when we graduated, she moved back to Delaware with her boyfriend and my parents were still in that area. So we kept in touch throughout the years. So fast forward like 10 years later, she's been painting this whole time. I've been working in galleries, museums, the whole (laughs) spiel, both me in the Philadelphia area and abroad. And finally, She brought me on as a writer with Create in 2017, I want to say. That's why I was abroad. So I was freelancing, writing for her for a little bit. And then at the end of 2018, she brought me on full-time working um, with Create as the director of operations. So I was helping build more relationships with fairs, stores, and also continuing to write. And then at the beginning of 2019, she was like, all right, Alicia, you've been putting this off for too long you're ready, you need to have your own business, you need to start the gallery, let's do it. (laughs) And so she was kind of like, the straw that broke the cam was back in the best way possible. And she was right. It's kind of like what I was talking to you about before, that during those 10 years when I was working in the arts, everyone had been asking me, as I grew in my career, when are you going to start your own gallery? And a long time, Mm -hmm. I really resisted that because well, so many different things, but ultimately I just, I wasn't ready yet, but finally mm-hmm. after those 10 years when Kat came to me, I had all of my skills in place, you know, I'd learned about marketing, I'd learned about curating, I'd learned about all the aspects of business, the really brass tacks things of building a business in the arts, and so I finally felt ready to go ahead and jump on this idea, and so, um, wow. About five months later, that we opened the gallery it was May 2019, and yeah, so wow. we've been in business for about a year and change.
0: <laughs> wow, <laughs> yeah. that is amazing! Congratulations! I can just feel how important and you're just helping the art world to evolve, and you're meeting this spot that is so needed for both the consumer and for the artists, like for people who want art in their homes, that is approachable and affordable and original and meeting artists where they are, where they're building their careers, they're emerging, they're evolving their practices, and you're able to kind of help the artists see, you know, what you're in this beautiful middle meeting point where you're helping both sides of that that coin. So I love, I love that. That's so exciting.
1: Thank you. Yeah, it's been it's been a good a good year, an interesting year for sure. <laughs> had to work out something, yeah. but ultimately I think right now, especially, we're seeing the the fruits of of being in this space and like being in that middle point, like you said. So that was actually the impetus for starting the gallery, in a in a way. I felt ready for it personally, but it was also something that we've been thinking about for a long time because of how the art world is and how it's been changing so we are now seeing more galleries be transparent with pricing and so that was something that we embraced early on and i think it's absolutely helped us i don't think we would have made i don't know 75 percent of the sales that we do if it wasn't for the price just being there and available um another thing is being a middle tier platform for an emerging platform for young artists so we're from working in the gallery industry i know that a lot of galleries wouldn't even look at an artist just out of school or wouldn't look at an artist if they're not selling at five thousand dollars ten thousand dollars yet it's just not really financially workable for them they need to be making at a certain price point because of rent because of art fair costs because of all these other things that we don't have to worry about so for us we love taking on those young artists because they're at this affordable price point and because we can really push their work market it and be kind of their champion at the beginning and so and also I I get attached to them but I'm not in the sense that they only work with me with their individual pieces. They don't consign their whole life to me. They don't sign their life away. That was never something I wanted for artists to do. But I know some galleries that, that do that, you know, if you sign with them, anything you make is you know, half their, half their commission, anything. Wow. So I always wanted it to be a mutually beneficial partnership, really want it to be fluid, working both ways. They can always ask me anything and i'll work it out with them and and also when when they're ready to move on to the next level that's that's a happy moment (laughs) i celebrate Uh, that with them it was an artist that i started with last year and she was in our first show and then a couple months later she was like i've loved working with you guys but i just got invited to do a huge international solo show i have another (sighs) international show coming up i have all these other things So I don't think I can officially be represented with you anymore, but we'll, you know, work on a case by case basis. And I was like, awesome. That's (laughs) great. Where they stick with us forever necessarily, unless they're okay with that. I want, I really want them to use us as a jumping off point. So that was the, the, the mission for the artist side. Then on the collector side, even for me, even working in galleries, even knowing how it works, it's not like I'm walking up to a big gallery and putting down $5,000 on a piece. No, I started small when I was collecting. I started on payment plans. I started with prints and all these other ways to make buying art affordable, but I always knew that I wanted quality pieces and I wanted people that were worth investing in. And so... It's a way for us to teach new collectors and reach young collectors and show them it doesn't have to be expensive to be good and it can be easy. <laughs> you don't have to haggle with a dealer who's pushy. You don't have to try and prove yourself to the snobby gallery assistant, which that's happened to me too. Like right. all of this stuff is coming just from our experiences from me and Kat having to deal with all these gaps in the art world that don't make sense for percent of the rest of the world that I think they would love art and want to appreciate art and support and buy it if they just were taught. (laughs) Just were taught that it doesn't have to be this complicated. It doesn't have to be, you don't have to worry about the gatekeepers. You can buy art online. You can connect with galleries that are friendly and that want to help you. And you can still buy quality art that's better than just a poster off of IKEA. So, oh, I love that. <laughs> that's so
0: powerful and such a beautiful mission and vision. And I can see how, I can see why you're th- really thriving at this time because people are stuck at home. And I think home improvement projects are at an all time high. Because people are like, they can't go anywhere else. So they're like, I need a painting for that wall. Or, you know, they're realizing the things that are around them really affect their energy and how they feel. And I think to have original artwork just feels transformative. It can totally uplift a room. It can uplift a space. And just to look at something that's really beautiful that you love is like so inspiring and just feels so good. So I love that you're able to... Help transform these spaces for people right now. I'm curious how, how you work with artists and help them kind of work on their professional development. If there's tips that you have for artists, there's a lot of artist listeners. So if you have any suggestions for artists who are evolving their practice and their work to make it more presentable for potential gallery representation.
1: Sure. So while I'll take this opportunity to pitch, we have, um, I have a new book coming out very, very soon. I know we've been (gasps) saying it's going to come out for a long time, but we're very, very much at the final, final stages finally. So it should be coming out hopefully in the next couple of weeks, like at, (gasps) at the latest. And if you're not aware, she and I wrote The Smartest Guide last year, it was a book we launched in January, and it was just a little 80-page thing based on some of the articles that we'd written on Create about career resources, whether that be how to write your statement or just tips on selling in general and selling online, and those had been some of the most read posts on our site ever, so we thought, okay, Uh maybe there's something here, and so we put this book together again, very small, and it went wild. (laughs) awesome we never thought and it was so fun we got a lot of great feedback but then from that we realized this really is something that people are interested in so we took it off the market and then spent a year adding to it perfecting it really making it so much more than the first version so it covers not only business basics but also the emotional aspect of being an artist which i think not many of the books that are out there on the market do. So it's talking also about burnout, about imposter syndrome, about all those wow. other things that we all deal with, but people aren't really talking about as much. So it's it's yeah. really good, everything, but I will give <laughs> will also give you some tips because I love I love doing that. Both of us love sharing. And you mentioned our cocktails podcast before we also share yeah. a lot on there as well. So so
0: good yes shout (laughs) out to that i love that podcast it's so good so art and cocktails Mm -hmm. be sure to check that out and i'll have that in the show notes as well and And just i just want to Make sure we have the name of the book, too, and I'll have a link.
1: Oh, yes. Oh.
0: <laughs> I, you may have said it, but I just want to make sure it's...
1: The one was called The Smartest Guide, and this one we're calling it The Complete Smartest Guide.
0: Oh, I love that.
1: Or expanded version, So keeping the fun little name from before, but adding to it. But yes, tips. So my biggest tip is always make your best work and that sounds easier said than done it doesn't sound like a tip but it is because what it means is you really have to dedicate the the time in your studio you have to dedicate to your practice i think a lot of people they want to come to me when they have one piece that they're really proud of or two or maybe even five but you have to really build up a body of work in -hmm. order to be able to show it to show it with a gallery or show it to a magazine and get published and It just, it just makes sense for so many reasons. I mean, if you show me one piece. Well, I'm usually looking to build a show and I need a couple of pieces for a collection of yours on the site. Or if if it's for a magazine, they're going to need a couple of pieces for a spread. It just, it's hard when it's just like one or two pieces, they feel a little bit random. They don't feel like they're fully developed yet. So put in the work, really develop your voice, develop your style, make sure that you've got the quality of your work really there. And then Mm. when you're starting to move into, into the business side and you want to get representation or again, go after press and media features, don't sell yourself short by not photographing it well. (laughs) And I say Uh. this because I, I still see it. I still see kind of weirdly cropped images or Images that have too much stuff in the background or they're they're The lighting isn't great. You see the color and you're you're wondering, is that really what it looks like in person? And it's a simple tip, but I mean, you, know, you can use your phone. It doesn't have to be with a fancy camera, but make sure you got your images really up to par, because that is the first thing they're going to see <laughs> unless they're coming to do an in-person studio visit, which who knows if that's going to be something that happens in the future. Right. And then the other like another hot tip <laughs> don't wait for people to come to you i mm-hmm. always am and pitching people i'm always yeah, putting yeah. myself out there for media features for opportunities to curate and when i was also an artist i was <laughs> putting myself out there for shows for well, well i shouldn't say when i was an artist i still am i still paint on the side but i mean when oh, i'm not focused on my art career versus my gallery and business career Mm -hmm. I was always applying I had no business (laughs) doing it yeah this was like me as like a junior in college trying to apply to these big shows and
0: oh that's awesome though I love that you had that confidence and that drive to do that
1: honestly (laughs) no actually I do oh I have a good story it came from my professor my printmaking professor so it was the last day of our printmaking seminar and it's summer. Everyone wants to just go home and be done with the school for the year. And he gives us this big speech about, you know, all of you guys are making work and some of you are making good work, but we're making it in this bubble of Kutztown. Like this is Kutztown. No one even knows what that is outside of Pennsylvania, not even within Pennsylvania even. So, yeah. you know, if you think you're a big shot here, like it, that's nothing. No one knows who you are. and. And he wasn't saying it to scare us, but it scared me straight. I went home and I applied to three shows that day. Because, oh, uh... like, He's right. Who knows who I am? Who knows who, what my work is? No one, even if like professors do here or my peers think my work is good, that that's barely anyone in this world. So you really do have to put yourself out there and it's scary and you're gonna get rejected, but that's fine. It happens to literally everyone. I just Mm -hmm. had an interview with an artist recently who she was big on applying to residencies. Again, she's kind of like me and she had this just crazy confidence that she would just go for it and whatever happened, happened. She didn't get some small residencies, but she got a huge one, like, coordinated by Kehinde Wiley. So.
0: Oh my God. That's amazing.
1: Exactly. And the same thing (laughs) happened. There was one summer where I applied to literally every internship in Philadelphia, you know, Uh all of the big museums, all of these galleries. I got nothing. I applied wow. to the Smithsonian in DC and guess where I interned for that summer. Whoa. Yeah. Yeah. So that's
0: amazing. Craziest
1: things happen and it works out even better than you ever imagined. So apply, apply to things you don't even feel ready for because you just never know. But at the same time, to be ready at least in in terms of your work. Do have your work ready to go in terms of the quality that you've invested in it and have great photos. So I guess those would be my biggest three tips. Yeah, the, put in the work, take good photos and don't wait for things to come to you. Apply, put yourself out there. It comes back to you 20 million fold. (laughs) I'm curious, cause I, when I was in grad school, I
0: went to grad school in Tennessee for printmaking as well. So I also love printmaking and painting, but I've definitely taken, I took a break for many, for years and wasn't really making work. And I'm kind of starting to just slowly rebuild. And, but I'm, I'm wondering about shows, like, does it really matter being in a show in terms of Selling your work and i don't does it matter taking a break for years, like if there's a pause in your resume yeah, I'm just kind of curious about that
1: Ooh, I um, love that I love this question, and I get it a lot, so the biggest thing to think about is just again your work there if someone is is looking at your work for possible inclusion in a gallery or show, so for example, someone applies to bxP, I will scan their resume mostly just to out of curiosity, see what else they've done. It's mm-hmm. nice because it mostly just shows me that they have experienced showing before, but mm. if they don't have that much, it's not a mark against them. That's not like, don't think about that. And especially if if they take a break, I understand that life happens. That happens to, that's happened to me as an artist. I told you, I kind of took a break for a long time. I'm also coming back to it, but at a very slow on my own pace, because also I'm running the business, doing a lot of other things. So you know, yeah. making time here and there when I can. But no, I absolutely do not use that as something against an artist. If they have a break, if they, if they are self-taught, that's another thing. A lot of artists come to me and they ask you know, do I have to have a degree, do I have to, <clears throat> excuse me, have earned, you know, some kind of validation from the art world before? No, it's the quality of your work. That's 99% yeah. of what people are looking at, or at least in my experience as a writer, mm-hmm. as a curator, of the time. I'm just looking at the quality of your work. That's what I want to see. I want to see that you've developed a series. I want to see that you've invested time into exploring some kind of either medium or style or you have a concept or just anything along those lines. That's what I'm really looking for. So if you've taken a break, if you know anything else has happened, It's it's not a big deal, so let's dispel that myth once and once and for all. It's really love
0: that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so helpful. Well, thank you for yeah, just kind of clearing the air and giving people space to be humans. You know, because yes. I feel like sometimes I like that.
1: <laughs> that's exactly yeah. what we all understand. Everyone's human.
0: Yeah, that's beautiful. I'm curious, your process with as a writer. What have you found really compelling? How do you get yourself to, because I feel like writing about art, it's kind of like dancing about food or something. I can't remember what the analogy is, but it's kind of, it's hard to give words to something that's a visual. So I'm curious your experience with that. If you have tips for people who are writers or wanting to write books, kind of your writing process. I'm curious how that what that's like for you
1: that's a funny question actually so writing it's still such a challenge it's funny that i love it now because it's really hard it's really hard for me sometimes i look at the blank page and i'm just like what did i get myself into and writing a book i can't like i still can't believe that i wrote a book
0: that's (laughs) awesome
1: it was that in itself was a huge process of there was like 15 weeks where Kat and I were producing three to four chapters a week so it's it's a wow. lot I think a big part of it is kind of forcing yourself to do it giving yourself deadlines if you don't have them to make sure you just get something on the page and don't self-edit yourself too much I I do that a lot when I write and I think that's why I'm a bit of a slow writer <laughs> because I'll type something out, edit, 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 type, 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 edit, 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 instead of just kind of like free writing and then going back and editing, which I know works better for a lot more, a lot of people. So maybe that's a way to do it. But mm-hmm. I'm also at this point, I have a habit. So as much as I try and let myself write and edit later, I do still kind of tweak as I go along. But either way, now writing about art specifically, for me, I'm lucky that with Create, Kat really encourages us to do live interviews with artists, go to studios, mm. or do now Zoom calls. So mm. I really talk to them as much as I can. And I also always send my drafts for review. I don't like to publish blindly just in case I say something totally out of left field. I never have had an issue, but it's just nice, at least in my opinion, to give them a a say if they need to (laughs) have anything changed. So I really just like to be as faithful as I can to what Mm -hmm. they're doing, what their message is, and try to have them be involved in that way. And also, like I said, I have these, I try to have these in-depth conversations beforehand, at least an hour or more, so that I can really learn as much as I can about the work before I write about it. And I don't, believe I've written about stuff that I really haven't seen in person mm. maybe like one or two but not really No, I think I've seen most people's work pretty yeah pretty much so that also helps, <laughs> helps yeah. and not just write about from seeing it online and any other tips I can think of no I mean those are kind of the the main things it oh um what's the book I think it's just how to write about contemporary art. That one really hmm. changed a lot for me because you know, there's some very silly things that people like to do when they write about art. Whether it's get into too much art world jargon or just say things that that sound maybe like they're actually saying something, but they're not. <laughs> <laughs> it's so complicated.
0: And yeah, I've definitely seen that.
1: <laughs> yeah, try to use all of these artsy fartsy terms when. What they really want to say is that the painting is blue, you know, like it just, Yeah. <laughs> just, keep it simple. Yeah, keep it simple. And I think artists do sometimes in their statements I've noticed, they're using more subjective terms versus objective terms, you know, like anything mm. that's like best, most, first, like any of those kind of things. Mm. Cut it.
0: <laughs> cut it out. Oh, good to know. Okay.
1: Very objective thing, objective words. You know? Mm-hmm. Or does it make sense? <laughs> <laughs> I, I love know. that. That's... I mean, that's not helpful, but you know what I mean. Objective words. Oh.
0: <laughs> yeah, no, I think that is super helpful because I remember being in grad school, reading lots of statements and writing lots of statements and trying to sound, yeah, making things sound fluffier and more elevated than they really are it's like I just I drew a thing that I felt like drawing know. <laughs> so yeah I think to be honest about what the work is I think there's something about that
1: too exactly I think and that reminds me of hearing Jerry Salt speak he talks about mm. radical vulnerability that's what he wants to see in art so oh it's the same thing when you're writing about it Be be radically vulnerable and honest. Just be tell us what the work is. No fluff. Strip it away. That will get you way more than if you're trying to intersperse all these fancy words that don't actually make sense to what you're doing. So that's (laughs) that's something to keep in mind for sure.
0: That's super helpful. Thank you for that. I'm curious what you think about people selling in galleries versus selling work themselves. What is the benefit of that? And should artists be looking to selling work through a gallery? Or, I mean, I guess it's different for everyone, but I'm just kind of curious your take on the advantages or the disadvantages of working with a gallery.
1: Yes, thank you so much for bringing up this question, actually, because I was going to talk about this in the previous question but I completely went in a different direction so I'm glad to be able to touch on it no, <laughs> it's not for everyone and it's funny that I say that because I'm a gallerist I should be saying otherwise but it's really not for everyone and the beautiful thing about the art world right now is that there is so much more agency on behalf of the artists especially with I mean I'm sure you've heard with social media with building your own website you can make sales on your own absolutely and I know artists who are crushing it right now. (laughs) We're making Mm -hmm. a lot of money on their own. And in that case, what do they need a gallery for? You know, they're they're people that really have built their own platform and they're their own marketing machine. And in that sense, they can keep going. I think it doesn't work for everyone. And one of the big things is, as I mentioned, you really have to build your own platform, build your own audience. And that takes a lot of effort. And some people are really good at it. They're really good at marketing. They understand um, how it works, whether they're focused on like one social media platform, like some people have a really big Instagram presence or some people are really big on Facebook or on Pinterest, or they have a really strong and engaged email list, any of those things can, you know, really have, have a sales funnel built in for you, but if you're not there yet, that's where a gallery can help. And again, that was kind of one of the impetus behind, or part of the impetus was behind starting PXP. Was being one of those platforms that can help artists who aren't there yet reach an audience and start to funnel some of that audience that's interested in their work to their own so that eventually they have their own platform too. Because that, that could be another avenue. We don't have to be just a stepping stone for an artist to get from a medium gallery to a big gallery. We can be mm-hmm. an artist to get to be in a medium small gallery to being on their own and selling on their own forever. I oh, think a lot of artists would love that too. <laughs> Why not? Yeah. Right? So yeah, I think, again, it's not for everyone. It depends on the artist, but some of the benefits are, while well, we're with working with the gallery, it's their audience. You have access to their clients, their mailing lists, their social platforms. You may be invited to fairs. They may have connections with designers, with advisors with museums even, depending on which galleries you're working with. So it's all, it's really all about the connections. If you're seeing that they're doing interesting things and you want to be a part of that, that that could mean that they're a fit for you. You have to do a lot of research to make sure it is indeed the right fit. And I mean, they're not going to accept you if it's not a right fit either. So it behooves you to really do the research beforehand before applying, because it's just a waste of time otherwise. But then on the other hand, again, if, it could not be a match if they they have a really high commission and your really your price point really just doesn't work with that. If you already have your own audience and they're they're just selling through people that are already in your audience, you know, you should be reaching mm-hmm. new people yeah. uh, with them, not just having them sell to your people. <laughs> that doesn't work, that's not good for you. Mm-hmm. And I've seen that happen to to artists and gallery relationships and it doesn't last. There has to be a mutual level of respect and trust. Trust is a really big thing, especially in terms of pricing. I see where mm-hmm. I've seen artists try to sell it at a lower price point than a gallery and it wasn't talked about beforehand wow. and then things get really messy, not that great. So it it again, it comes with some definite things to think about both good and bad, mm-hmm. but it can work out really beautifully if done well. So again, it goes back to researching both who is running the gallery, what they're doing, their mission, how how they market and what kind of marketing they do to really make sure that it's the right fit for both people. But if it is, it can really be great. Otherwise, you absolutely have agency to sell on your own. You should be doing it on your own anyway. Um, right. also help entice a gallery if you know how to help them sell. And then yeah, I think, I think that's pretty much it. You, I mean, I always yeah. say, you, know, you have power too. That's another thing. Remember, you have power too. You can negotiate. Yeah. You don't have to sign a contract as is. You can always ask questions. Please ask questions, actually. Mm. And if a gallery relationship doesn't work out, there are so many other options for you to sell. So don't, oh. don't, place, don't place all your eggs in that basket. Mm,
0: I love that. Amazing. I'm curious, so it sounds like it can be super beneficial and kind of help, you know, it can be like a mutually beneficial thing working with a gallery if you have your own platform and audience and you can help the gallery and they can help you. I'm curious if you have any tips for artists for building an audience and really creating a stronger rapport and connection with people with your work Absolutely. on Instagram or
1: yeah. um, <laughs> we get Sorry. asked this a lot, and again, this is where the book comes in handy because we have like I think at least two or three chapters on social media but uh-huh. the biggest thing to remember is really to be yourself and it again, all these tips sound so cliche and boring, but it you know people don't want to hear anyone else's story if they're coming to your platform they want to hear yours so mm-hmm you're the type of person that likes to share lots of inspirational quotes, do that. If you would rather just share a lot of pictures of your works in progress or studio shots, that's cool too. I mean, just make sure that you're writing in your voice, sharing images in your voice, sharing an image of yourself every once in a while. Uh (laughs) I'm guilty of this too. I, I've been trying to put a little more of my face on the PXP account so people really start to connect with me and realize that it's my voice behind it. Yeah, I, I struggle with that too. I definitely am like, I hide. I'm like, oh. Ah. So what's the that's thing? That a lot of artists struggle with because a lot, a lot of us are more introverted. We're a little more mm-hmm. introspective and we, we, we're we also putting something so vulnerable out there, our our art. So it's hard to put our face literally next to that. That's, you know, you're putting yourself out there literally. And but, or I should say but... You really have to do it because people connect so much more when they realize that it's a person behind all of this and Um, they hear your voice behind all of it. I've seen so much more engagement when artists start to do this. So yes, put yourself in there. I mean, not like 20 billion selfies, but you know what I mean. Every once in a while, share yourself in your face. And if you have the confidence, a couple videos here and there never hurts. Another thing is consistency. I think Mm -hmm. I also see a lot of artists who... You know, they might post one full piece and then there's a lot of works in progress or so there's, you know, a cat picture or a breakfast picture or a selfie and like then it gets too confusing. I think a thing to kind of think about or keep in mind in terms of your, your grid or your posts is someone should be able to look at at least the first like six to nine blocks and get an instant idea of what you do. So I like to say if you're posting a full image of a piece, that should be like at least one out of every three to four posts. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's helpful for curators, for galleries, for writers. Sometimes mm. as a writer, I also help manage the create account. And so I love, we always love reposting artist work that we come across and think that our community would be interested in But I will oftentimes come across an account and I'll have seen one piece that piques my interest. So I'll go on their account, and I can't even find that piece. <laughs> and yeah. then I can't even find another piece that is just cropped to the edges, a full image shot. So I can't, I can't repost it. it mm-hmm. <laughs> like there's just pictures of paintbrushes, or again, of random things that aren't even art. So, and I, I don't have time to spend ten minutes scrolling through to find one image to post. So I'll leave it. And I know this this happens with so many other writers and social media managers. So you you really need to have something at the top, ready to be reposted and shared, make it easy for people to find you Mm -hmm. and easy for them to know what you do. And this can also be with your bio, with your link, everything should just be again, very simple to find. For anyone that comes across your feed or your page, wherever, whether that's your website, social feeds, you know, Facebook, Pinterest, Twitter, anything that you use to show yeah. your work. Try and make it um, just very simple from the get-go so that you don't have that chance of them them leaving and not finding you again.
0: Yes, that's brilliant. That's such good advice. I have a artist who I'm going to chat with next week on the podcast and she had a whole press pack like her instagram is just like super tightly curated like really beautiful you know mostly her artwork couples studio shots and then a couple shots of her face so i feel like it's like exactly what you're t- talking about as an ideal artist Instagram and then she had a press pack of all these writings people that had written about her work her own writings photos and it was just super organized I was baffled and (laughs) just in awe I was like oh that's how you be a professional artist so it was it was very inspiring
1: yeah I mean it doesn't have to be that intimidating like that is great and it's make the job of a curator artist or writer much easier but you don't have to take it to that level you know your feed doesn't have to be super curated you don't have to post 10 times a day but if you get into it and you like it you can absolutely go that route and that does help but no again Mm -hmm. it's just it's more about being honest being yourself and just being consistent and for me consistency is about showing your work regularly and that's those you know, images, full images everywhere, cropped to the edges so that you just focus on the work. Nothing in the background, mm-hmm. no weird easels or weird, I don't know, paint spotches in the vet. No, just focus on the work. <laughs> nice. I
0: love that. That's so yeah. brilliant. It also makes me think of just the idea of persistence and being organized. Those are two things that I'm kind of working on myself as well. And I noticed, you know, like I'll invite people to be on the podcast. Like I reached out to you on Instagram and you were so responsive and then followed up with me because sometimes I lose track of emails. And so I was so thankful that you were like just on it. And I'm just curious your thoughts about following up.
1: Yes. I will say this for <laughs> till the end of time till the cows come home, but following up has been, that's really the secret. I think <laughs> that's the secret thing because I can't tell you how many sales, how many jobs, how many opportunities would not have come about or come to fruition. If I didn't just send that extra email, do that, yeah. extra call, reach out in whatever way, go by their office. And it's, it's just crazy. It's just crazy. It's it's really. I mean, it goes back to that idea. We're all human. We all get busy. We all forget. We all um, thought we responded to that email, but we actually only did it in our head. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> um, that very easily may have been what happened to you. Mm-hmm. Give the person the benefit of the doubt, but don't be afraid to follow up. Now, mm-hmm. there's art to following up. <laughs> you mm-hmm. don't too pushy about it and don't send them 20 follow-up emails I once had a writer who followed up with me 10 times in one day or like wow oh, I don't know t- no her thing was less than 24 hours I was like you didn't even give me even a day to like read yeah and respond or do anything like give them at least a chance to see it geez but um, yeah uh <laughs> <laughs> Well, sometimes we'll see you and respond back but I mean I guess unless you're on a deadline that makes that's a different story but still you're allowed to follow up maybe like a week after maybe yeah two weeks maybe and then follow up a second time but that's the other thing I think after two eh, probably not meant to be so but,
0: persistence with patience kind of yeah. balancing those yes,
1: absolutely <laughs> <And> it's, <laughs> it's funny too because they really do come back to you there was a gallery I was mm-hmm. working with where we had had a nice conversation with a client, and we thought she was interested. She signed up to our mailing list. We didn't hear anything. I mean, we followed up with her. Didn't hear anything. Then a year later, an order just came through. We didn't even have to like she uh-huh. just purchased a piece online. Didn't even talk to us anything. So they're, they're still there. They'll uh-huh. come back. <laughs> just put out put out the good vibes and like keep doing your thing, and people will come back.
0: I love that. That's such a good reminder.
1: Oh my gosh. And I just, I love that you
0: wrote a book too, with all of this information in it. I can't wait to get it. It sounds so wonderful. So good. I'm curious, do you want to talk a little bit more about Create Magazine? Because I really love that platform. And I'm not sure if all the audience knows a lot about it. So, is there anything you want to share about that?
1: Yes. <laughs> so, create magazine was started by my good friend Kat Popova. She's a painter, and we met back in college. Like I mentioned, I always joke that uh, that's the reason I ended up transferring was to meet her.
0: <laughs> was, oh,
1: yeah, it was I was at the time, and that's I went to go be with my boyfriend, but that relationship did not work out. <laughs> <laughs> But like I said, luckily I met Kat instead. And that was <laughs> that was, I think, the reason that I was meant to go. So we again we stayed in touch and throughout the the next decade, she was trying to figure out her own way. So she has a very interesting story, which she talks about a lot on the podcast and many other platforms. So you should definitely go check out any of <laughs> anywhere where you can hear her story because it's great. Yeah. Um, but within that time, she was, you know, struggling as a young painter. Like I said, there's really this, there was and still arguably is this gap in the industry where young artists they don't have a have a way to show their work. They don't have a way to get noticed by galleries unless they're mm-hmm. just kind of I don't know, found in a way. Mm-hmm. So she made her own platform. <laughs> and that oh, was wow. started Fresh Paint Magazine. it was 2016 i want to say maybe earlier and it was a small publication it was juried but again very small she likes to call it scrappy it was still nice she did a good job the the print i have an old print copy of one of them and they're they're good for basically her doing it out of her kitchen (laughs) but then eventually she kind of realized well one it started to grow And a lot of people were interested. She would go door to doors, knocking on galleries, showing her little scrappy publication. And yeah, she was a very savvy, savvy businesswoman. So she started to grow the platform. And eventually she realized there are a lot of artists that we could be serving. So let's make it broader. So it went from fresh paint to being create. And Mm -hmm. that way we serve all artists working in any medium, whether it's digital, painting, sculpture, printmaking, so it, again, it grew, continued to grow, <laughs> brought on more writers, brought on me. And now we're an international arts publication. We put out about five print issues per year. They're all juried. So the like second half of each publication has the juried section where a contemporary um, art, whether it's a curator, someone working in a museum, who else have we had? Like Tax Collection, The Jealous Curator has curated. The, oh, cool. I don't know. Well, I don't know. We've had a lot of great curators. I can't think of them right now. I don't know why, yeah. but you can look on our site. We have the list of Paradigm Gallery we've had. And our next one is Ginger Rudolph from Haha Magazine. She's curating. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, we do have a new call for art up. You can apply to that. Cool. And, yeah, so that's the second half of the magazine. And then the first half is all more in-depth interviews with contemporary artists so you kind of get the best of both worlds you get this beautiful glossy people like to tell us it looks like a coffee table book almost it's so thick (laughs) and it's there aren't any ads so it's really just all art content when it's small profiles of artists in the curated section and then also these more in-depth articles essays q a's with artists who are working right now, who are sharing about their practice, about their business, about how they've built their careers and how they're really thriving. So it's been such a cool process to be part of that and to help it grow also, <laughs> be in more bookstores, get more partnerships with fairs. Unfortunately right now with everything going on and to get scaled back quite a bit just because no one's going out in, to public spaces and doing any big events, but. We still have tons of content that we're putting out online. So, as I mentioned before, the reason that we ended up doing the book was because we moved away from just doing artist interviews and started also doing these career resource articles, talking about things like how to put together a website and really just trying to make the information. Available for anyone who needed it, the kind of Mm -hmm. information that you would think you would learn in a business of art class, but that a lot of us just didn't learn. Yeah. And and those were some of the most read articles we'd ever had on the site. They had such high traffic. So we kept doing that. We still do that. If you go to the resources section on the blog, you'll see tons of articles written by us. Mm -hmm. So that has, that's kind of where we are now. We're a big community of like 150,000 strong. Mm -hmm. Um, now, so it's grown so much in the past few years, and we're so thankful of that Amazing. Yeah, you by either applying to the to the print magazines, or we also of course always have the blog submissions available for free. so if the print magazine isn't in your budget right now, we totally get it, and we still want to see your work, so please apply. <laughs>
0: Oh, my gosh! That is so wonderful i It's yeah such a beautiful platform, and so well done. I'm curious how you you're doing so much like as i as we're diving in, I'm just realizing you're wearing so many hats and juggling so many different responsibilities. Is there any do you have any tips or tools or apps that you're using to stay organized and focused or balancing your time I'm curious how you are doing it all.
1: (laughs) Thanks. I think it's funny, but it's, it's kind of built into working in the arts. I don't know a lot of people that don't have to hustle. (laughs) I mean, the aim is that eventually we'll all get to the point where things like all these income streams will become a little more passive and I can just kind of focus on one or two things and, and not have to, like I I said, hustle so much. But for now, I also kind of, I also love it. I I was joking with Kat the other day, like, what would we be doing if we weren't doing all these things? Probably the same thing, actually, because we genuinely love doing all of these things that we're doing. So, Mm -hmm. you know, it goes back to that cliche thing, you know, if you love it, you'll never work it in your life. And it's kind of true. We we really do genuinely enjoy all the things we're doing. We generally want to help artists and want to support them through create and through pxp and through art and cocktails all these other things so we yeah we just love it but productivity yes it's it's a hard thing the biggest thing for me to to deal with is I think social media because it's such a big part of our business so Mm -hmm. I put a timer on Instagram so it it tells me (gasps) when I've hit a certain hour or whatever so that I can Make sure not to go on it again that day because if not i could just spend way too much time on there i mean it is mostly business that i'm on there for so i, I do have to be on there I can't just not but it's good to set timers on on different things um whether it's apps that you don't want to be using too much or you know other things i keep a calendar Without that, I would not do anything productive in my life because, especially because of the time difference where oh, right. I'm working with a lot of people on East Coast, West Coast, Canada, Europe. So I always have to be, I'm always asking people, wait, is this EST? <laughs> I'm gonna double book myself with someone on the East Coast and West Coast at the same time because I'm like, they're definitely completely different times. Nope. They're the exact same time. <laughs> right? Write down in your calendar everything you need and also write down the time zone in your time zone so that you know you're not booking yourself accident double booking yourself accidentally i keep a huge running list of things to do so i have a to-do list that i check in with pretty much daily and it's just a kind of free-flowing list when i check when i do something i check it off and i love that feeling and i'm also willing to just move it to next week if i don't get to it i try not to stress myself out about it too much sometimes it happens you don't get to everything you wanted to do this week it's okay i let it be fluid like i said but i even write like things to do in my personal life like i need to go to the bank today i need to chat with my accountant i need to go to the grocery store and that just helps me kind of look at all of the things and that way i can plan my day out like i need to do these small tasks okay i'll do these this chunk in the morning and then i'll take a break and then i'll do this bigger thing that I need to do in the afternoon um but that said do try and do the bigger things in the morning if you can because oh good idea and if you have put it off till the afternoon then suddenly something else comes up and you need to do that and then you don't get to it and it was kind of important and things can get thrown out of whack again it try to be fluid try to give yourself a break but it's like that quote if you have if your job is to eat a frog, eat it in the morning. If your job is to eat two frogs, eat the biggest one first. <laughs> That's so good. good. So I try, to, I try to eat the frog. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> hard things first. Luckily, uh, again, I don't know. It's a weird thing about me, but I'm not a procrastinator. Luckily, <laughs> I'm not. Uh, so I, I don't I do all-nighters. I, uh, that just yeah. doesn't me, I really, if I have a project, I try and just get it done right away. And I know that a lot of people aren't like that, and it takes a lot of effort, but do try the best you can to get those hard tasks out of the way when you first thing in the morning or Monday.
0: (laughs) Mm, That's really good advice. I'm curious for your calendar. I'm definitely, like, I have to write it, physically write it down, because I was trying to only do digital calendars for a while. And I just totally, that was a disaster for me. I'm curious if you're like digital calendar or physical calendar, both.
1: Oh, that's funny. No, I always have had a digital calendar. I was for a long time writing out my, my to-do list mm-hmm. physically in a, in my journal, like my work notebook, but I switched it ever since quarantine. I don't know why I switched over to uh, just like a running word doc uh-huh. a google doc that i have just online and that i can access from my phone access from my laptop anywhere and no digital has been working for me oh, but cool. but i can see how that that can be helpful for a lot of people actually writing it down like seeing it and like <laughs> yeah. writing. that was what helped me in school a lot to remember things having to write it down mm-hmm. um then i could kind of like visualize it from having written it which seems kind of strange, but Mm yeah, I know that works for a lot of people. So if it works for you, try it out. It might (laughs) take some trial and error, but ultimately any way that you can keep yourself organized is a win.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I agree.
1: I'm curious if there's anyone in the
0: audience who might want to start their own gallery, if you have any advice for starting an online gallery or helping other artists in that way.
1: Oh, this is a big question. <laughs> it definitely takes a lot, I think what was well, a number of things that were good were one having a partner. <laughs> we love to hear these stories of like this singular genius, the visionary, but it's just not true. Yes, there are some people who are especially talented, who are especially motivated, but that doesn't mean that they never had help along the way. That doesn't mean that they don't ask for help. That doesn't mean that there aren't the people on their team who are absolutely their number two right hand person. That without them, they wouldn't be able to do anything. Like, I don't know. I think we need to get over this.
0: (laughs) Mm -hmm. I agree.
1: Being this genius person, whatever. So, and again, it's not to take away from those people that we think of like that because they are great, and there really are people who are just like wow, they're so inspiring. But at the same time, we need to remember they're human too. And again, they, they have help. And they had help getting to where they are, no matter who they are. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, so again, for me, it was great to have Kat there, even though I'm I'm basically running the gallery. It's always nice just to be able to bounce ideas off her if I need to, just to have yeah. something there <laughs> there's someone to vent with if i like, you know i'm feeling like whoa what am i doing and yeah so if you have somebody tr- but it has to be someone you trust <laughs> mm-hmm. only 10 years after friendship that we realize you're stuck with me i'm stuck with you <laughs> trust your business partner because mm-hmm. i mean we've both been through some really tough situations in business and gotten burnt by people that we thought were our friends mm-hmm. so, just professional colleagues. So um, yeah, it's, it's not been roses <laughs> the whole mm, time. You have to keep that in mind. And it's sad mm, because sometimes it's women and you don't expect women to come after you, but watch well, your back. But at the same time, you, you also just, you trust your gut. Like these were kind of people that at the beginning, there were weird feelings that came up and, mm, and thought, oh, you know, I guess they're okay. We'll try it out and not eventually. <laughs> Things made themselves mm. clear. So, yeah, trust your gut. <laughs> Good to know. Um, with, with the gallery specifically, I think it's a lot about trusting your your curatorial eye. I think that was one thing that, again, I had built up over the years. I knew what work I liked, I knew what work I didn't like. And that comes into play because when you're selling, you have to be genuinely excited to sell what you're selling. And that yeah. comes through and I see it 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 just doesn't make sense if you're not just because you think oh this artist has a big following they'll sell like hotcakes. it's fine or this artist paints these beautiful flowers and like everyone loves flowers that's fine no like you you really have to be invested in it because it just doesn't work otherwise it just and it doesn't even make sense you're not going to enjoy it if you don't love the work you're selling so Absolutely. Work with artists that you truly love. Work with artists who are good people. (laughs) I like that too. (laughs) Um, Yes. I said this in an interview recently, but one, it's just, it's good when you're representing artists whose work you believe in, but also, you know, that when you sell something, you're just supporting them as a person. And so Mm. it makes it easier to talk about the work, makes it easier to want to sell the work because they're just great humans (laughs) Humans. <laughs> yeah,
0: I love that. That's so beautiful.
1: And anything else? I mean, yeah, working well, having your own gallery—it's it may sound glamorous, <laughs> but it takes a lot of work.
0: I so believe you know, it.
1: Know what you're getting into, and running any business, you—it's hard to to make it last. So you have to really understand that it's a huge commitment but it's so rewarding to work for yourself too. So ultimately after 10 years of working for someone else, I realized, no, I need to be doing it on my own terms in my own way. And I, I really can't put a price on that. So that has been so worth it over the past year. I'm fortunate that everything is going so well and the business is, is well, of course, but I've also put in the work for it, so it's it's a lot, but it can be absolutely worth it. And it, so, if a gallery is your dream, do it. kat and I are always here. You can chat us and ask us questions. I will try and help you the best I can, but I don't have all the answers, you know, either. I'm human. I'm still figuring it out. And even Cat, her business is not even ten years old yet either. So, wow, a lot of learning. I was used to joke that I'm the eternal student because I would always be. <laughs> always be YouTube going to YouTube university.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's a good one.
1: Yeah. So I mean, it was a lot of do-it-yourself moments and not just for me, for Kat as well. She had to Google how to start a magazine when she started create. So uh, yeah, wow. we we've gotten to where we are, but it's not just from not necessarily from because of our background or because of anything besides just kind of putting in the work yeah
0: it's so inspiring so powerful and i'm just so excited to see how your business continues to thrive and evolve and to see the. i love the artists that you have featured on your website and on your instagram so yeah i'm excited to keep following them i'm curious how you i want to honor your time so i don't want to keep you much longer oh. but i'm but i'm curious how you find artists or how you keep track of maybe your dream list of artists you want to represent? Like how do you kind of hone that eye and hone that information and kind of keep that organized in your brain?
1: Yes. So we had a call for art initially when we started the gallery and that's where I found my core group of Mm -hmm. 12 or 12 to 14, I think I have. And then when we did a second and third call, that's where I found a lot of the talent for our shows and for special collections that I've done. But we're also to the point now where people are reaching out to me, which is great. I think that, one, shows <laughs> that people trust us, that people trust that, that they're interested in what we're doing, trust what we're doing, like what we're doing, and see potential value in working with us. So. And that's, it makes me feel great that artists would want to work with us. So yeah, we do have a lot of artists who are now reaching out to me personally, but at the beginning it was me, either me pitching people or yeah, luckily there was a core group kind of associated with the create community that was part of the initial call for artists that reached out and submitted work and they, <laughs> they were much, um, much higher level artists than I ever thought we would get to start out with. So i was already flattered and honored that i got to work with such great and talented people but again it's it's all about the work it's not about who like if that they have 10,000 followers or something no it's i i'm happy to look at anyone whether they are just out of school whether they're self-taught whether they have 5 followers whether they have you know 5,000 it's it's not about any of that it's just about the work
0: Amazing. I love that you have such an authentic approach to just everything in your life, to your to your writing process, to your creation and building a business and working with artists. It's just really so beautiful.
1: Oh, thank and, you.
0: Yeah. I'm curious as we're wrapping up, if there's anything else coming to the surface you want to be sure to voice about your practice, your experiences the state of the world any anything that you want to give voice to
1: yeah um that's there's definitely a lot sorry of that's time. it's a big question yeah <laughs> but no it's it's appropriate and actually good to end on because there is a lot going on and a yeah. lot of uncertainty a lot of negativity and so I think there's kind of two things that I'd want to touch on one is is patience. We kind of talked about this before, but not just patience with following up with people and hoping that clients will come back to you, but just with yourself, with your creative process. Don't um, expect too much of yourself right now. I mean, this these last five months have been just such a whirlwind in so many ways. And as much as you might want to be really productive and use this time to launch something or start a new body of work or Grow a business, make a new business. You don't have to do any of that stuff. Just like getting up and going through the day is it can be enough for some people. And I've gone through days where I just, luckily again, I'm working for myself, so that allows me to take the day off if I really feel like I can't work today. This, I, my head's not there. I'm not pushing myself to just do things because I need to go through the motions so yeah just a lot of patience with yourself in all aspects emotionally physically mentally right now and but (laughs) the other side if you are ready if you're motivated if you really are in that space that you want to get to the next level yeah going back to that reminder of putting yourself out there don't be afraid to contact people don't be afraid to contact someone who's at a way higher level than you think because that that could really just be in your head again I've gone through so many experiences where all of these these things that I thought would happen didn't, but the crazy out there idea or the crazy out there job or the crazy out there show that I shouldn't have never gotten into, I did end up getting into, or I did end up getting that job and or I did end up making that sale. So again, you know, don't let yourself be limited by other people think what you yourself think you're capable of try not to place limitations and really put everything out there that you can yeah (laughs) think big dream big oh (laughs) so So beautiful beautiful. people are are investing Mm. in art now so yeah don't don't let other people tell you otherwise (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I
0: love that. That's such a good reminder, just to stay positive and yeah, to dream big. I mean, it makes me think it is making my eyes water, and it's funny because when I reached out to you, I was like, "I'm she's too big. She's not going to want to be on the show." <laughs> and then you're like, "Yeah, let's do it. That's great." And so it's just so funny. Like, I sometimes am like, "Oh, I can't ask like really big names to be on the podcast," but. No one has ever said no. Everyone just is. Everyone wants to do it. So I'm like, oh, I need to dream bigger.
1: Keep yes. dreaming big. Yeah, and that reminds me. of Like this year, Cat finally got Jerry Saltz on the podcast. Yes, that was a dream for oh. so long, and that was we 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 got so close last year, but then it fell through. So I mean, it's just one of those things. Like put. The intention out there and it will come back to you it really well yeah
0: that episode is wonderful by the way I'll definitely have a link to that because it's just yeah it's full of gems as well and
1: he's a, he's a great writer great speaker so glad I got to hear him speak in person but that's another thing like patience also for your age and where you are at in your career right now because he didn't start writing I think until 40s 50s mm-hmm. and now he's you know probably one of the most recognized art critics in in the world so again if you're (laughs) if you're 20 and just starting out it's okay yeah have have a new york gallery solo show by next year yes (laughs) or the same thing if you're 50 and you're just starting to paint cool that's awesome like do it on your own time
0: (laughs) Yeah. Oh my gosh. That's such a good reminder that we can, we're all on in this journey and at different levels and age just doesn't really matter. You can no. do anything at any age.
1: Absolutely. Love
0: it. <laughs> Amazing. Oh my gosh. Well, Alicia, thank you so much for making so much time to chat today. It was truly an honor and just wonderful to hear your voice and your stories. And, You're just an amazing speaker and an amazing writer. And I'm just so excited about everything you're doing in the world. So thanks for being here.
1: Well, again, thanks so much for having me. It was an absolute pleasure to chat with you as well and glad to be able to share my story. I hope that some of it resonates with some of you guys and yeah, just those little tidbits about putting yourself out there. I really hope you take to heart because it, it, it hurts kind of seeing artists that are shrinking and artists that are waiting for people to validate them like all of these things no you have agency you empower your work is valuable you are valuable you are necessary in this world so please don't forget that and yeah i think that's probably
0: boom awesome
1: (laughs) i love that well thank you so much again
0: you are just an absolute delight and I think that's a great reminder. People do have so much more power and just to envision what we want to create and move towards that and with intention and with purpose and with patience and persistence. Yes. (laughs) Well, thank you. Yeah, thank you. (laughs) Awesome. I hope you have a wonderful day. (laughs) Yeah, you too. Thank
1: you.
0: Okay. Toodaloo. Bye. Thank you so much for listening. I really hope you enjoyed that. Even just one-tenth of as much as I enjoyed chatting with Alicia, she is just so wonderful to connect with and so just brilliant and on top of it. So just a couple reminders. It's never too late to follow your dreams and remember to follow up, balance, patience, and perseverance and just keep making your work, doing your work and putting it out there. If you enjoyed this show please share it with a friend or you can leave a review on apple podcasts it really does help more people find the show and it makes a world of difference to me super helpful so just go there and tap five stars why not and then another thing you can support the podcast on patreon if you would like i am donating 10 percent of all patreon funds to Black Empowerment Organizations. Uh, This month, I'm continuing to donate to Crafting the Future, which is helping to create more opportunities for the BIPOC community to create art and have creative resources. And I also have some really fun little writing prompts and little gifts that come with that. So you can join for as little as a dollar a month and as much as however much you want. Also, if you want a new little cup in your world or a chance at a cup, uh, you can enter my giveaway. So there's just three steps for that. You just go to Instagram, follow Time in the Studio podcast, and then tag three friends on the post and then go to my website and sign up for my newsletter, which I send out about every two weeks. And it's just a couple little um, a haiku, usually a couple photos and a link to the podcast episodes. And usually I make a playlist of some music and tunes and stuff too. So just a couple little goodies and kind of fun. So you can sign up for that at timeinthestudio.com or aidazea.com. They go to the same place. It's a-i-d-a-z-e-a.com. I hope you are having a wonderful week and riding out this roller coaster of this, the world right now. Holy smokes. It's just endless. It feels like, um, but love you all so much and thank you for listening. Thank you for being here and yeah, take care. May all of our efforts
1: benefit all beings. Take care.